Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. We are in the middle of our series called God Is, and in this series, we're looking at the truth that if God is love and love is patient, then God is patient. If God is love and love is kind, then God is kind, and we're going through the verse in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're looking at all the attributes of love because then we can see how God loves us in a tangible way, and we can talk about what that looks like for God to love us. But not only that, we're not just looking at how God loves us because the truth of the matter is, is that when we get filled up with God's love, then what do we do? As believers, we're called to go out and love people because we live in a world that is hurting. We live in a world that is dark. We live in a world that is desperate and full of people that are hopeless and they need to see God's love. How do they see his love? In us, because we are the light of the world. Amen. Amen. And so we're looking at not just how God loves us, but how we can go out and love other people, how we can be patient, how we can be kind, how we don't envy. And this series has been so good because it's taught us so much about the character of God and then the love inside of us and how to walk that out. We are coming close to the end. I think we have about three more weeks left. Now, remember, I have my identity class that I'm starting at the beginning of June. Um, We will be doing this online. We will have a community. That online community will be on my YouTube channel. So if you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please get subscribed. If you do not have YouTube or you have any questions, please reach out to me because I want you to be able to walk through this with us. I'm going to be doing it live, but it will be Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. Well, The message will probably start around 6.45 to 7 p.m., and that is Mountain Standard Time. So if you have any questions, please reach out to me. If you're in the Colorado Springs area and you're a woman, you are more than welcome to join the class. The link is up above if you're watching on Facebook and down below if you're watching on YouTube. So anyway, so we're in the middle of this series called God Is, and today we're talking about how God protects us, how he protects us. What does that look like? Well, whenever I began to study this, I saw that there was a word there that's called stegi in the Greek, and I began to research what that meant, and there were three different definitions that I ran across. And whenever I was reading the definitions, I was like, Lord, which one are you talking about in this? Because sometimes whenever you break down words in the Greek, it's hard to understand what the original writer's intentions were. And so as I begin to study each of these definitions, God began to show me something that each one of these definitions is actually a character of God. We see this in God. So today we're going to talk about those three different different definitions and how God loves us in that way and how we can love others in that way. So the first one is this. The definition is to protect or keep by covering or to preserve. So God physically protects us. He physically keeps us. He physically preserves us. I love what 2 Thessalonians says. It says 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Now we see this all throughout the Bible, how God protects his people. We see this, how he protects Noah from the flood. He protects 
protects Daniel from the lion. He protects David from Saul. He protects the Israelites from Pharaoh's army. He protects Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. He continues to protect his people all throughout the Bible. And we see this and we see how amazing God is whenever he protects us. But for some reason, sometimes we think that that's not applicable for us today. But it is so true for us today. God is our protector. He is our our shelter. And we need to understand that whenever, whenever God is trying to speak to us and tell us things, sometimes he's actually trying to protect us. See, I had this situation a few years back that I was driving in my car. It was before I started ordering groceries online. And so I was going to King Supers and on my way to King Supers, I just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, Carrie, don't go, don't go. And I felt like I should turn around and go up to my husband's work. And I thought that was really strange. And then I, I almost dismissed it as like, well, why would why would that be God? Why would I turn around and go to my husband's work? And then all of a sudden I was like, well, I could go and get him lunch. And so I just knew that I knew that I shouldn't go to King Super. So I turned around, I went to Chipotle, I got him some lunch and I met him up there and it was great. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that was cool. Maybe God just needed me to come up there. Maybe he was just trying to get me to go up there because Nathan wanted me to come see him or it was just a surprise for him or whatever. But later on in the news, I saw that there was a sh- an active shooter at King Supers, and I would have been there getting my groceries whenever he was there. And so God was protecting me. And I think a lot of times in his protection for us, he tries to warn us, he tries to tell us, but what do we do? We dismiss it. It's just being like some silly thing that we thought of when in fact it is God. And so whenever you feel like the Lord is is tugging on you, you hear that still quiet voice inside of you. Maybe it is the Lord trying to protect you. Maybe it is God protecting you from a wreck that you, you would have gotten in if you would have left at a certain time or or an active shooter at a store or whatever it was. We never know. And I don't think this side of heaven, we're ever going to see how many times God protects us, but he is our protector and he physically protects us. Now, how do we apply this definition to our lives? Well, I was thinking a lot about this. And as a mom, it is my job to protect my kids in a sense. I teach them not to go into the street. I teach them certain boundaries. As they get older, those boundaries are moved out. And I hope that they have the common sense not to go and stand in the middle of the street. Although when I was a teenager, I didn't have the common sense to not do that, right? But we try to instill and teach our kids and protect our kids. But see, because we're not God, we are not our own children's vindicator. We're not there to be able to protect them in the way that God protects us. So in essence, by protecting our children, we can pray over them, we can surrender them, and we can trust God that he's going to protect them. So I think our biggest defense in in this protection piece of this definition of physically protecting our children, physically protecting our friends, physically protecting people that we love is by surrendering by prayer, right? So we can just offer that up to the Lord. God, protect my kids today. I pray for my kids every day on the way to school. I pray for my kids every night whenever they go to bed. I'm always praying protection around my house because the enemy is constantly attacking us. And so we need to be praying and stepping out in faith and, and proclaiming things and proclaiming claiming protection over our house because God is good and he is faithful and he hears our prayers. Amen. Amen. Number two, the second definition is this, to cover over with silence, to keep secret, to hide, to conceal. 
God keeps our personal business in confidence. Now, this sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? But God is not a God that spills your tea. God is not a God that gossips to other people. He doesn't just tell all these people all of your stuff, all of your personal things. It's so amazing that we have a God that we can go to and we can tell him anything. I mean, the truth is, is he already knows everything, but it's nice to know that we can go to him and we can tell him anything that we've done wrong, any way that we've sent, any of our insights securities, any of our hurts, any of our habits, habits, any of our hangups, we can go to him with all of these things and we can trust that he is not going to expose us, that he is not going to gossip about us. I don't ever see in the Bible where Jesus went to Peter and was like, oh my gosh, Peter, did you hear about Mary? Like her ex was such a jerk. She, he totally abused her and he did this and that. And Mary is so hurt. We don't see that because that's not who Jesus is, right? And you may say, well, Carrie, how do we know that people went to him like that? Because he's God. He is the counselor. And I know that people were attracted to him in that sense of being able to be counseled by him. And because of that, he probably heard a lot of stuff that we will never know about. A lot of things that people struggle with. I just have this sense that people just opened up to him because of who he is. They just opened up to him and they told him their life stories, their hurts, all these things that they were going through, things that they had done in their past. And you know what? We never, ever, 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 ever read in the Bible where God puts that in a gossipy way. Some of the stories we hear about people's stuff, but not even in extent of what they did in detail, right? But for some reason, we think that it is our job to go and talk about other people, to go and share other people's business, to go and gossip. And, and sometimes we don't look at it as gossip because what do we do is we go to someone and we say, oh, so-and-so did this, but I'm just telling you because I want you to pray for them. And we use the word prayer as an excuse to be able to gossip about someone. We use the word prayer like we care so deeply and that's why we're coming when in fact, we just want to tell someone somebody, we want to tell somebody something that we know that maybe they don't. And, and this isn't okay. This isn't love. This isn't what God wants us to do because this is not how he is. This is not his character. And if he is in us, then it shouldn't be our character. And so in those instances, when we have that, that um, temptation to go out and to talk about others, people's um, business, to go out and gossip about people, to go out and begin to, I don't know, just make up. Sometimes people make up things about people to make themselves feel better. Whenever we have that temptation, we need to, in that moment, and honestly, before that moment, ask God to convict us of that, right? We've talked about this before. We, we go to the Lord ahead of time. If we know we struggle in an area, I'm just going to stop and, and, and just talk about this for a minute because I think this is important that we understand this. If we struggle in an area, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you struggle in an area, one of the best things that you can do is when you're not in the middle of the temptation, you can beforehand go to the Lord and say, God, convict me, prepare me, give me scriptures to stand on, help me to not fall into temptation, help me to not choose temptation because it's really not falling. It's more or less choosing, right? We choose temptation. We choose to walk in the temptation. God, give me the scriptures, give me the word, give me the truth so that I don't do this thing that I know that I struggle with. It's okay that you struggle, but go to the Lord ahead of time. And some of you right now, you're being convicted of this. Don't be condemned. Don't sit in shame and guilt and condemnation. If you're in Christ, there's now no more condemnation in Christ, but you 
know what's so cool about Jesus is that he's he's already paid for it. So we can be convicted and he can change us little by little. And this is part of the sanctification process is we go to him ahead of time and we say, God, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you did. And so I want to encourage you if this is something you struggle with, because this is bad. And I've been on the other side of gossip. I've been on the side of gossip where rumors were spread that weren't even true about me and my husband. And it was so hurtful and it was so hard and it was challenging in our marriage. And we worked through it, of course, because the truth will be, will set you free. Right. But the, the truth is, is that it was hard and it was challenging and it was hurtful. And I felt betrayed and I, I was not okay for a moment, but you know what? I don't want to do that to anyone else now because it's been done to me. And so the whole point of this is that if we feel tempted to gossip, we don't want to be those people that break other people. We don't want to spread other people's business. We don't want to talk about other people because that's not who God is. God wouldn't do that to us. So why would we want to hurt people like that? So I just pray that you guys um, really begin to get that conviction, not condemnation, that conviction that this is something that you struggle with. And you begin to lay it down at the cross, at the feet of Jesus. And you say, God, I struggle with this. And I know that you don't condemn me, Father, but I trust that you're going to walk me through this, that you're going to teach me, that you're going to grow me, and that I'm going to be able to walk in righteousness in this. Amen? Amen. All right. So there is a story in Genesis. I want to go over real quickly. This is so good. It is Genesis, what is it? Genesis 9, 18. All right. So it says, the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came people who were scattered all over the earth. I think that's kind of cool that we all came from those three, right? Okay, here it is, verse 28, or yeah, 20. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and laid uncovered inside his tent. So here he drinks some wine, he becomes drunk, and he's naked. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. So what did Ham do? Ham went out and he's like, guys, you got to come see this. Dad's in here naked. That's not cool, right? But let's see how his brothers respond to this. I just love this. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backwards. They walked in backwards and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. That is amazing. So here we have this one guy that he literally is like, hey, here's the gossip. Here's the tea. Dad's naked. Come look at him. This is so funny. We can use this against him. And the other two brothers wanted to keep Noah's dignity, their father's dignity. And so what did they do? They put this cloth on their shoulders and they went in backwards so they didn't see him. Oh my gosh, this is so good. This is so good. We can learn so much from this, right? This is how God calls us to act. This is how God wants us to be. We go in backwards. We don't expose the sin. We don't expose the nakedness of other people. No, we go in with humility and we cover them and we say, you know what? We love you. I, I want to help you through this. I want to walk you through this. I'm not going to tell everyone your secrets. I'm not going to go and put it on Facebook that you were mean to me. I'm not going to go and do a, 
uh, Instagram about how rude you were or how you offended me or what you said about me. No, I'm going to walk in backwards and I'm going to cover you because that's what love does. Love covers a multitude of sins. Number three, to cover over with silence to keep seek. Oh, I'm sorry. That's number two. <laughs> By covering to keep off something which threatens to bear up against, to hold out against, and so to endure, to bear, to forbear. Oh my goodness. God won't give up on us. Praise the Lord for that. Oh my gosh. I am so glad that God never gave up on me. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know where I would be if he gave up on me. And I love how he's like this with his disciples. We see this, how when Jesus came to this earth, you've got to remember Jesus, fully man, yet fully God, holy, blameless, sinless. He walked this earth with humans like you and I. He walked with people that were full of sin that were full of corruption, that they didn't even know what they were doing with sin. I can't even imagine how frustrating that would be, but I'm not God. So being God, I guess you wouldn't be frustrated, right? But Jesus walked with them and, and he, I'm sure he saw and heard some things that he was just like, I don't even know, but he never gave up on his disciples. And if you've ever read the story of where Peter denies Jesus, man, and it's such an amazing story because he denies Jesus three times. Jesus warns him and says, hey, dude, you're going to deny me three times. And of course, Peter in his pride says, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But he does. He denies him. And, and Peter was convicted and, and he repented. But then he felt worthless. He was like, I just denied my friend. I just denied my savior. And Jesus went to the cross and he died. And then when Jesus rose again, he calls for Peter. He specifically calls for Peter and the other disciples. And he begins to reinstate Peter. He says, Peter, even though you denied me, even though you betrayed me, even though you turned your back on me, Peter, I have not turned my back on you. Because see, Peter, I have called you. I have set you apart. I have called you for such a time as this. And that's what God does with us, doesn't he? He, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been back before I knew Jesus, man, I didn't think I had a chance to be honest. I thought I had gone too far. I thought I had done too much. And there is someone that is watching. No, you're going to be watching later on. You're going to be watching. You feel like you have gone too far. You feel like you have done too much and you feel like God has given up on you. Well, I am here to tell you that that is not the truth, that that is a lie from the enemy. And the enemy is after you because you have such an amazing call on your life. And he has been after you from the day you were born. You've had physical problems. You had emotional problems. You've had all kinds of problems with relationships. And that is just the enemy. You clicked onto this because of this, because God wants you to know that he has not given up on you, that he has still called you, that he has called you by name, that he knew you in your mother's womb, and that he wants you to say yes to him today, that he wants you to surrender everything. It's okay what you've done. He sees it. He knows it. He knows everything you're going to do, yet he still loves you. And so he's asking you, right now to just surrender to Jesus and say, I accept your forgiveness. I don't understand it. See, you don't have to understand it. We can't understand it because it's that of much of amazing grace, right? But it's our job to just accept it, to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you, God, that you accept me how I am. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not too far gone. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. So if that is you, I just, I want to encourage you to just lift your hands where Wherever you are, I don't care 
well, I guess if you're in your car, don't lift both, but <laughs> wherever you are, lift your hands right now and just surrender to the Lord and just say, God, I give you my life. I surrender my life. I repent of my sins. I know that I can't pay for them, but Jesus Christ did. And so I accept that right now. Father, I just thank you for whoever this is. God, I just thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you, thank you that you have called them, God, that you've set them apart, that you have an amazing plan for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that was not traditional. That was not planned. But you know what? God loves people so much. Sometimes he'll literally just stop us and we just led by the spirit, right? That's what it's all about. So this is for all of us though, isn't it? That even as believers, even as people that walk with Christ on a daily basis, we still fall short. We still mess up. We still have problems. We still do things that we shouldn't. We still make mistakes, but you know what? God doesn't give up on us. He does not forget our give up on us, does he? He never gives up on us. He just continues to press through. He bears through. I love how it says to bear up against, to hold out against, to hold out against, to hold out against all of our sin, to hold out against whenever we mess up, to hold out against whenever we are not obedient, to hold out against when we don't step out in faith and we begin to regret it, to hold out against. He says, it's okay. Shake the dust off your feet. Get back up and go. Get back up and go. It's time to shake the dust off our feet and to get back up and go, to not care so much about our mistakes. Yes, we need to come to that place of repentance. Yes, we need to come to that place where he's say, God, I can't, but you did, right? We need to come to that place. But then once we come to that place, let go of it and move on. Stop looking back at all the mistakes you've made and continue to go forward with what God is calling you to do. Because like I said, from the beginning, there is a world out there that is dying and hurting and we are the light of the world. The enemy wants to squish that light, but you can't squish light. The darkness will never overcome the light. The lightness always overcomes the dark. So I want to encourage you guys today to go out and love people by protecting them in these three ways to go out and be the light of the world like God calls us to be. Amen. Amen. Amen.